Australian Futsal community. Welcome to Futsal in Australia podcast number 17. Every podcast will bring someone unique from the Futsal community that uh, works to grow Futsal in the country, has a unique story to share with us. Today is no different. Today we have Mick Day. Mickey, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you, Doctor. What an honor to be asked, seriously. Um, you and I have been friends for a little while, and um, I, I would normally try and avoid these things. You know me very well, so I would avoid oh, this. You did, you did try to avoid it. I did try and avoid it, but yeah, I didn't get out of it. Um, coaching and screaming is what I do best, so yeah. But here I am today. Thank you for very having good, me, right? mate. Now, we, I, I had to convince you to come on the podcast because, guys, what yeah. we're going to be talking is uh, we're going to talk about his background, his futsal experience. Uh, obviously, he's East Coast Futsal Academy, but the main topic of the podcast will be the AMF Women's National Futsal Team that's going to play in the World Cup later in the year in Colombia from the 23rd to the 30th of October this year. Uh, Mick, people don't know, but uh, we don't have a FFA Women's National Team. There's no... There is no FIFA World Cup for women's official FIFA World Cup. So yeah. AMF is the only bo uh, organization, official organization that offers a, a World Cup. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Look, that's that's the sad reality of of the futsal world that we live in here at the moment. So, um, but what an amazing platform! You know, all those countries—Brazil, Argentina, Spain, Colombia—they're all there. Um, so um, that's the greatest and the highest platform that that women can play on at the moment. So. It's such a proud moment for Australia to be able to go. And just a little bit of the background for people that don't know also is uh, AMF is related to the old FIFUSA before FIFA took over. So yeah. they were the original futsal organization until yeah. FIFA took over in 1989. Uh, they're still around, so they're still very big in South America and in some countries in Europe. I got to yeah. go to the Under-13s World Cup in 2019, and it, as you said, yeah. it was an amazing experience. And and FIFA also doesn't offer World Cup for juniors. AMF offers for juniors, women's, yeah. and men's. So that's yeah. the main difference between the two. Yeah, look, I, I think with your help and with everyone else's help and worldwide, that's going to change over time, but it's still time. Um, currently, we have AMF. AMF is the Women's World Cup. So, um, you know, like it, it's it's been there since day dot. Um, yeah, FIFA is the adjusted rule of these of the AMF rules. So... Um, if people don't people don't know, we don't see AMF a lot here in Australia. We do, however, compete overseas a lot uh, with our women's teams, with our East Coast teams. So we, we get to see both those rules and um, we, we enjoy both of them. Um, I think I remember you saying once, Falco was saying that he would prefer the throwing rule um, yeah, he does, yeah. uh, uh, over the kicking rule. And I think for us, we, we love both. But, um, you know, that, that rule really opens up some amazing play. He does, he does. And not just for Coma, Venancio Lopez, the, uh, ah, for many, many yeah. years, head coach of Spain. You, you got to come to the seminar with Venancio Lopez, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I remember that. It's uh, Yeah, Venancio also said that he prefers the sideboard, the throw-ins, Vini, the yeah. captain of Brazil. Yeah, many, many, many players. Yeah. Uh, FIFA does have a, a Asian, Europe, South American, European, and Asian Cup for women's futsal. So we do hope that FFA give us a national team to at least enter in the Asian Championship, so which we could be playing. We could have a women's national team right now. There's something Absolutely. to be playing. Uh, Absolutely. Mick, let's start with a bit. Of, uh, I like getting to know the, the guests and a bit more and for people to hear from you. Where yeah, else sure. were you born and where, where were you raised? Wow. Um, you know, I'm old at the moment, mate. I, I was born in Bondi, <laughs> so in Sydney. So I'm a Bondi boy, born and bred down in Sydney. Um, raised 
probably in the western suburbs out towards the hills district and stuff like that so um if the sydney people would know that um in 2000 uh, i moved with my family up to the port macquarie area so i've been here for 20 22 years now here in port macquarie what was the reason why you guys moved to port macquarie i think it was more to raise a family um mm -hmm. uh we wanted to have a bit of land and acreage and, and that sort of atmosphere around us, close to the beach. You know, we, we love our beaches and, um, yeah, bring up in a rural, regional sort of atmosphere uh, with our kids at school and stuff like that. So tougher for oh, yeah. sport. You know, regional sport is, is hard compared to Sydney. In Sydney, mm -hmm. you're travelling five minutes to a venue. Here, you know, it, it's an hour. And then when you're playing at high level, you're always traveling back to Sydney or Brisbane or or down to Melbourne. So yeah. they're, they're the adjustments you have to make. But for that lifestyle, uh, we were prepared to do that. So And uh, growing up, did you play much football or football? Were you, what did you man, do? Man, doctor, I'm 56, man. Futsal for me wasn't really there. <laughs> um, I, I didn't know about futsal. Um, my first real experience, yeah, Australians play a multitude of sports, as you can probably see here. You know, we have tennis and, and, and cricket and football and rugby league, and it's mm -hmm. just crazy. And that was my life probably growing up, um, you know, like I was involved in multiple sports. Um, but, yeah, probably when I moved up here, I discovered indoor soccer at the time. So that's 22-plus years ago, um, 20, 20 years ago. Indoor soccer with a big fuzzy tennis ball that bounced off the side of the nets and stuff like that. and. Yeah. It, it was probably around 2005, 2006. Um, I, I was coaching at a high level in outdoor. And I, I remember reading some literature from Johnny Warren, who wanted to discover why our, futsal, uh, our socceroos at the time weren't, weren't in that sort of contention worldwide and the rest. And, and he went to Brazil and discovered, um, you know, and, and learned so much about small-sided and futsal and this and that try to bring it back and we've never really adopted that here in Australia. Um, we go about it backwards. We start we start in outdoor and then we learn that we probably should have started in futsal or small sided, you know, um, and then adopt that the outdoor game later. So um yeah, it was probably around that 2004, 2005 I discovered futsal. Um mm -hmm. it was mainly from my children, so my daughter and my two sons um playing into it. Uh, I was very lucky that my daughter was um offered the opportunity to go to Brazil and, and and train and play and compete. And she was over there with Minas at the time. Um, you know, like for me, that was, you know, like such an amazing experience for her. So I went over and, and I watched and, and I learned. And from that moment on, um, my coaching philosophy and everything changed. And I just fell in love with the sport of futsal. And I think from that moment moving forward, I've just dedicated the rest of my life to to this sport it, it, it's what i love it's just my passion now so but that can, started in see, brazil i can see it's your passion oh uh, man can, let me let me touch on that point of this uh, ex experience of players going to brazil because even uh, our current futsal rules coach miles he spent time in minas yeah we, ha we have yeah. many many players uh i, I know it's called Fane, uh, miles renagi ingram yeah. uh, the current goalkeeper mike breckering he spent time in, in minas as well yeah, but I could yeah. I could stay I couldn't mention over thirty names that go oh. to Minas. Heaps. I mean, uh, how important uh, do you think uh, is the experience of uh, Australian players to go and spend some time overseas? Mate, that that is a critical part um, of any journey and development uh, for this sport here. Um, you go to 
uh, Brazil or Spain, uh, Brazil, we'll talk about Brazil or Minas or any of those clubs, even if you're talking into the college sort of system and the school system, College Magnum or any of those around Bellow and stuff like that, um, I think just to soak in the atmosphere while you're there, um, they live, eat, breathe, you know, the round ball. That's it. You know, like, mm -hmm. um, so I think the passion that you see, I remember being over there when the, um, uh, I can't remember, the World Cup selection, so the, they were selecting the, the groups and the teams. The whole country just stopped to watch TV for that, for the group selections and stuff like yeah. that. It was just the, the shopping centres, everything, just shut down, everything. The whole country just shut down so they could see and watch, um, watch that. It was, it's just amazing, you know. So I think it's a critical part to, to any player's development to travel. And Brazil has to be on your list, um, you know, going forward. Yeah, I think when it comes to players development, Brazil is still the number one because they're the, the country that produces the most players for the Spanish league and all the other leagues. Yeah. The Spanish league, those big leagues, they're looking for young Brazilian players to bring into the <laughs> Yeah, they've uh, got the Brazilians there. Serie A, any of those, the first people that they're trying to sign are the Brazilians, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, like when I, when I was there the first time, you know, I, I was just blown away that it's in the car park, it's in the marketplaces, it's in on hot boiling concrete, you know, footpath. It's, it's absolutely everywhere, you know? So yeah, the passion and, and it, just the love uh, of futsal for me came from my first and then many follow-up visits to Brazil. Many follow-up. Yeah, right, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Many Brazilians try to leave Brazil. You're trying to go to Brazil. That's very, very interesting. Oh, uh, my, my, my technical director gonna... at East Coast is, is Brazilian. You know, comes okay. from Minas and yeah. So what's his name? Everyone's trying to get uh, Yuri Lage is um yeah he's Yuri my Lage. technical okay. yeah he's he's a technical director at East Coast at the moment and he's a a Minas boy, um nice. yeah and Brazilians are, are trying to get out of Brazil and we're yeah, all like, Minas exports trying... a lot of a lot of um a lot of coaches players they they are good exporter um, yeah we see a lot of the, this movement of. Uh, now it's a bit easier for players to go play in Europe from, we have some, I think three or four Japanese players playing in Spain, in the Futsal League of Spain. Yeah. We have a Moroccan, a few Iranians. There's players from everywhere going everywhere now. But I'm actually yeah. going to leave it here on the podcast today. If any Australian players want to go to Brazil, we have the contacts of Minas, Magnus, so feel free to send us yeah. a message and we, we're we going to hook you up with this. Uh, and uh, Mick, how many months it would be an ideal period for a player to stay there, in, in your opinion? The, the first time my daughter went there was one month. And although that seemed long at the time, that was that was just a blink. Yeah, um, you was know, you, yeah. Yeah, you, you want to do, you know, if you, if you can, uh, somewhere like Minas, um, mate, if you're six months to 12 months, if you can get that there, um, every week that you do there is probably equal to two months or, or six months that you could do here. You know, it's mm -hmm. so valuable. Um, you know, it just an amazing experience if you can stay there for as long as you can you stay Mick now uh, moving over to your uh, academy East Coast Futsal Academy uh, when was they established and, and how did they start in 2014 um, I, I decided that this was my passion this is what I was going to do full-time so I put my business aside at the time and mm -hmm. I what went were you doing at the time before then um yeah, so I I was still coaching and stuff like that, but I owned a um, like a custom bike shop, 
um, where we built one-off motorcycles for for high-end clients and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, it was a great business. I still I still dabble in it now, but more so for yeah. myself. But um, yeah, it was um, that used to be able to get me to spend two months in Brazil or two months in Barca or you know because I could work for six months in the shop. And then I yeah. could go and do what I really wanted to do. So um, an amazing business um, that that was able to to supply that for me. Uh, 2014, I, I decided this is what I was going to do. And um, we started Port Macquarie Futsal. Um, that's how we started. We were three mixed senior teams. That's all that we had. And we mm-hmm. played out of um, a school hall. And then... I said, look, let's experience this. You know, Brazilians will play on the street. They'll play anywhere. So we we started playing on tennis courts and we started running competitions on, on the street if we had to and and all that sort of stuff. And um, it wasn't too long before those numbers started to build up and we were able to secure the Port Macquarie Indoor Stadium. At that time, it was a three-court stadium. It's now a six-court stadium. Six courts. Um, yeah, so we've got six courts there, um, two full international courts and six six main courts. So, um. And over that time, um, you know, we, we didn't have juniors. We, we didn't have the programs that we had. We just had a mixed senior comp of people that wanted to play futsal. That was it. And that's mm-hmm. now evolved in 2019 to East Coast Futsal Academy, which is a dedicated seven-day-a-week, um, year-round, full-time uh, futsal centre. So uh, we've got about 1,800 members at our club now. So we've been able to grow from those two and a half teams to about 1,800 members. Yeah, on, a, on six courts, you can do a lot. You, you mentioned that um, it's a futsal academy, but what are the programs that you offer? You say that you have some leagues too. Yeah, yeah. So look, we still have you know um, our recreational and our community leagues. So mixed, mixed social of a night or men's and open competitions. But a good heart of what we do, we have our academy that runs. So we have our East Coast Academy um, that runs five days a week uh, for our juniors all the way through to our seniors. We have our representative programs. So we have a lot of representative teams that play away. Um, some of them play up into the Queensland leagues, um, some down even into the Sydney leagues. We also have a massive all abilities program. Um, it's probably mm-hmm. the benchmark or the biggest all abilities program for futsal uh, in Australia. So how does um, that work? Yeah, so that's, um, you know, we, we say it's our all abilities program that I could play into that. Um, it, it was more for um, our disabled um, people that were around our area. I, I realised um, at one stage that they didn't have a sporting outlet, so they didn't really have that. Um, so it was very disjointed in, in those sort of opportunities. So mm-hmm. we started um, our all abilities futsal program there. It's at no cost, um, East Coast funds, all that sort of stuff. And um, that has grown, you know, from those four or five regional players that we, were, we had coming in to almost 70 players, yeah, 23 coaches. Uh, and that's, a, that's something very interesting. Uh, Mick, um, w- w- what type of disability do they have and what adjustments do they have to do to, to train them? Yeah, so we call it all abilities because it, 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 there's a range of disability and there's a range of level of disability and all the rest. They, we all train together. We all play together. Um, now, some of those guys have even progressed through to our regular leagues, like a Tuesday night social league, and they're playing B grade. Um, uh-huh. You know, we've got A, B, C, and D grade, and these guys are so good at what they do um, that they're they're playing B grade level and making grand finals in that. Uh, we have we have a team that goes down to nationals, and they're two time national champions now. 
Um, and yeah, it's just an amazing program. It's, um, it is amazing. I'm sure it would be very rewarding. Uh, Mick, uh, talking about affiliation to bodies, are you guys affiliated to any, any body? No, we're not. So um, <laughs> we're, we're friends of everyone, um, but we've decided, you know, in 2018, 2019, we decided that um, the best thing for our players, because there's so many people out there thinking that they're the governing body, Football Australia, um, AFA, FAF, uh, Series, Pro Futsal, everybody, there's so many. And what I found was over those first few years from 2014 to about 2017, if you were involved or affiliated to one body only, Mm -hmm. um you, you were sort of caught in their system only you're really only playing their tournaments and and um the example is our women's team you know like you couldn't really say that you were the best in australia if you're only playing into um let's say afa as an example you know because you're missing all the football australia girls or the pro futsal all those clubs and teams and all the rest so we decided that we wanted to remain independent But we have really good relationships with Football Australia. We work with Trevor Edwards in, in Queensland or Jordan down here in, in Sydney and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're an independent club and we say that we're working on behalf of our members because, like, Doctor, sometimes it's, um, yeah, like this, this, women's, uh, this women's World Cup, you know, is, is AMF, um, you know, and the licence of that is FAF, is Tony there at the Federation. So if we're only playing in one one body for us we may not get recognized or or you know just be um legitimized in, in what we we're trying to do so we're currently independent um yeah but we but we work with all of them i'm hoping it, it, that it, one it, day like you we're, we're all united you know but correct um, yeah. that that's you know that's some people smarter than me sitting at a table and trying to trying to work it out It, it does make sense to do what it, you, you're saying. Uh, I, I did work for Futsals for 10 years, and Futsals is exactly yep. like you. They're independent. They, they do what they want. But yep. um, really, at the end of the day, if the players want to be affiliated to the, to the governing bodies and go play, they're, they're free to play any tournament that they want. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, right now, at Fitzroy, for example, the club I play for, we play Serious Futsal, and we also play AFCC. We play the also the, the FFV Champions, uh, Championship, which is in, usually in April. The, I yeah. think this year is going to be late in the year. It's going to be in September. Uh, yeah. yeah, so players are free to play whatever they want. Uh, yeah. Mick, all right, let's go to the main topic of, topic of the... Sorry, sorry. Actually, let, just one last thing about East Coast. What's sure. the future like for you guys in, uh, in some of your your proud achievements in this journey? Oh, look, at achievement-wise, it's probably um, how strong our, our family base. Our, we've got 1,800 members, but, you know, I pretty much know every single player's name. I, I know their family situation, um, and everybody helps everyone within East Coast. We, we've had a tough two years with COVID. We've had a tough two years. We've had floods and bushfires here as well. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, um a, a mate of mine was totally flooded out um and the first people to call him were the east coast players you know from his team the east coast families were calling him to make make sure that you know he had a hand and stuff like that so i th i think that sort of culture that we've been able to bring to east coast um that would have to be one of the highlights of what we've done yes we've won awards yes we go we do a lot of national and international tournaments and titles but um that part of of what we created there that culture um, is just a beautiful thing. How how did you manage to get through COVID? 
COVID, we had to adapt and evolve, you know, like here in New South Wales, um, sport was cancelled, you know, you, you couldn't sport, but um, we we adopted and we, we changed our programs, um, like a lot of people did, you know, they went online, and I remember seeing a lot of your stuff online, the lessons and all, all that. Um, there was a period there that we were allowed to open up, not to compete, but to train. So we already had a lot with our academy, you know, we've got 150 players, rep players doing academy and stuff like that. So we were able to open that up to the social scene as well so that kids could come in and learn about the sport and and, and grow and, and, and have fun that way. So although we didn't have competition, we still had five, seven days a week of learning and, and you know, and just getting a touch on the ball. Uh, Mick, I, I'm not dying in Port Macquarie and, and everything I see is through internet. So yeah. uh, I see uh, East Coast Futsal Academy and to the point that I had to actually read and see that you guys have leagues <laughs> and everything, I thought you yeah. guys were only an academy. And you say that you have competitions, you have a community. Is there yeah. a possibility of changing the name to from academy to something else? Um, or having yeah. both, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, absolutely there is. Um, you know, and that evolution is, is, is coming. You know, when we go away, people know us that we're East Coast Eagles, you know, when we compete. Okay. We're not East Coast Futsal Academy. So if we're away competing at nationals or at, um, you know, uh, Gold Coast International, we are East Coast Eagles. We're just East Coast. It's not Futsal Academy. Um, East Coast Futsal Academy, you know, that, that's our business name. You know, that, that's what we mm -hmm. run that under. But, um, yeah, look, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard. It's really different here in Australia. And until you've been to Brazil or to Spain and, and to some of these amazing countries or Colombia, um, you know, those guys there, they have their teams and they train year round and all the rest uh, here in Australia. It's completely different. You know, like you, you might have an Academy and it's of, you know, players from six or seven different teams that all turn up on a Monday just to get training. So, um, you know, we would love to evolve to the system that, that, you know, is in Minas or in Brazil or, or anything like that. But um, at the moment, um, this is what, what we do and, and it's proven successful for us. It's, it's working for us. So, but the evolution of the name, yeah, that's um, even our badge is, is is ready for an update at the moment. Well, there's some good people there. That I'm going to hook you up about a nice badge. One of one of these Perfect. people I actually want to mention on the podcast is someone very active on the futsal committee, uh, Kui from Aku. He, he does okay. designing yeah. for, yeah. he's done lots of logos and he does a really good job. So I want to actually put his name yep. out there for anyone that needs. Uh, Mick. You mentioned that in many countries, futsal is played the whole year round. Here in Victoria and in WA, it's already being played for a big, big portion of the year. Just have yep. breaks over Christmas. Uh, yeah. But it's still in New South Wales, South Australia, some other. I think Queensland now, futsal is picking up for most of the year too. Yeah. How do you see futsal evolving to being played over the whole year round there in New South Wales? Yeah, I think that that's got to come from our governing bodies, maybe like getting together and stuff like that. Here at East Coast, we play year round. But to be able to do that, we do play into the Queensland competitions because mm -hmm. Queensland, whether it's Football Australia or AFA or whoever's up there at the time, uh, Southern Cross, FF, FAF, um, they have something going the whole time, F League or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, New South Wales, we're still a bit fragmented. You know, we're still a bit undecided whether this is an actual sport and i'm like oh, wake up guys you know this is this is this is real man you know and for us here at port macquarie to be traveling five six hours to play a game 
um, and dedicated to that. Wow. I don't know why Sydney, Sydney's a tough, tough market down there, man. You know, this, it's, yeah, it's, I don't know if they're going to like ever shake hands down there. And they do have the players because they just had 12 players for the national team selector. So they do have the quality. Oh, yeah. Uh, And they've always had it. You know, Dural Warriors, Hakoa, Inner West Magic, you know, like amazing, amazing. Mick, uh, let's move on to the World Cup, the main topic for the podcast. Uh, You were not the head coach. You were not involved in the last Women's World Cup in 2017 in Barcelona. But uh, 2017, yep. How did the women's national team go in in their World Cup? From what you heard and from what you followed. Yeah, look, look, I followed it. I watch it, you know, I, I... I just love futsal that much. So I, I remember watching and, and trying to follow along as, as best I could. Um, it, it was tough for them. Uh, they didn't get out of their group. But, you know, when, when you're up against that quality, that train year round, and I think um, mainly a lot of that might have come down to preparation. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I see what's happening with Miles at the moment and that preparation, you know, like it, it's very hard to compete against against countries that are year-round and dedicated to the process. Yes, it is. Um, all right, so I was trying to didn't get through the group stage. Uh, didn't no. have the time to pre- prepare. As you said, uh, Myers had only three weeks. The women's national team, the same. Yeah. This World Cup, you guys have plenty of time. The World Cup will be in October. Uh, how is the selection process being done so far? Um. Look, I was so proud standing there on the weekend. We had a, a big training camp on the weekend. Uh, and one of the things that that I, I talked to Tony about, the, the the boss, was at the start, I said, look, if if we're going to do this, this has to be real. You know, like it's got, it's got to be, let's pull the best women from Australia together, regardless of affiliation or association or, or where, where they are. Or, or there's amazing women here that need to be represented on that stage. And without even hesitation, Tony said, Mick, done, do it. So, um, you know, like I know I had a few boys go down to the Futsal Rutros. Uh, some East Coast boys were down there. Uh, amazing kids from up here. But the first question was, are they Football Australia registered? And I was like, mm, well, they are, you know, so that was okay. So for this one here, you know, all that was thrown out the door. I don't care if you're pro futsal or serious futsal or FAF or AFA or or the other thousand governing bodies that are out there. We just wanted to see the best women here, um, you know, battling to to wear that wear that badge for their country, and that happened. So, man, I was blown away. I was, like I said, I was standing upstairs watching watching one part after ten hours of training. These girls were still running hard, and it was a tough two days. You know, not many of them uh, had that, were ready for that. You know, they, they train normally an hour and a half or something like that with their club and all of a sudden they're coming to me and they're doing five-hour minimum sessions, you know, times a couple of days. So it was one of the most proud moments standing there seeing all these girls from all these different governing bodies where all these different – there was about 16 or 17 clubs represented from Melbourne all the way up through to Cairns. Uh, we've got WA – um, you know, yeah, New South Wales. So that that moment, I think it hit me at hour ten of what we've already accomplished <laughs> there. That that we've got such a united group there. We've competed against each other for all these years, and for the first time ever, we've gone. Let's throw that rule book out the out the door. It's not AFA. It's not Football Australia. This is Australia. Let's put the best national women's team together. And the girls that were there, 
man, they were unbelievable. That that you know, like not one girl was a disappointment. They they were so they were so a level above. And to be able to play with somebody else that was at that level, man, Andre, it was just amazing. You're off to a good start. Uh, you, you're gonna have a high gig to select these these girls into a final squad. What's uh, yeah. what's the next step for them when, when they getting together again? When is the fi the, uh, the final team gonna be selected? Yeah, look, wow, she's tough um, because we have had the best 50 girls together. That's been down to 38. Um, on the weekend, it was down to 28, 30. Uh, we missed a couple of girls due to COVID, um, but we still got 25 to 30 girls there. Um, the next cut that we're looking at is to select uh, a 16 um, that will then train out this next six months. Um, and probably the three weeks or four weeks before the tournament, we have to cut that down to 12. So, so even that going to Colombia. Only 12 go to Colombia. Um, yeah, they they you know, Tony at the moment is trying to find out because there could be an exemption that we can take 13. 13th player can't play. But is there in case of COVID now um and all these other sort of restrictions? Um they won't they won't make the team sheet. So at the moment, uh 12 is is what we can take. And it is a tough, tough task seeing the talent that we have and to try and cut that down to 16 let alone the month before, tell another four girls, sorry, thank you so much. It's part of this sport, though. Uh, these six, yeah. these 16 girls, they're going to be training for the next six months. How often you yep. plan to uh, get together? Where are they going to get together? Yeah, look, at the moment, we've, um, we've planned out monthly training sessions. Um, Tony's working really hard on the financial side so that if a girl from Melbourne makes it, that we can fly her here and, and, and look after those sort of players, all the Queensland girls and stuff like that. Um, the, the training base at the moment is our Port Macquarie base. Um, uh, we, we've been successful there. Uh, we've been able to offer that when Vinny was helping with the Solomon Islands, the Kuru, Kuru boys. Um, they came to Port Macquarie and used our base. Um, it's, it's very good because we have good affiliations with the accommodation houses and all the rest. We've got good sponsorship through Optus and through a lot of our local stuff that just reduces and gets rid of those costs for those girls. So at the moment, Port Macquarie is the training base, the home base uh, for the team. But we're at the moment discussing whether we do a training camp up in Queensland and one down in Melbourne as well. Yeah, it does make sense you have the facilities there in Port Macquarie. Uh, you mentioned the finance side of the girls. Obviously, it's different to FFA. The girls do have to cover the expense for the trip. Uh, yeah. Roughly how much the girls have to, to pay to go for this World Cup and, and they're going to find ways to sponsor themselves. They're going to raise some money and you guys are going to support them, but roughly how much they have to pay. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, you know, I hope they pay around zero dollars. That's our goal uh, as coaching staff and as administrators and all the rest. And we have enough sponsors on board at East Coast that I've already approached these guys, whether it's Optus or whatever, to be able to go, Let's help get the Golden Wattles there. They deserve to be there. Um, this is like an unfunded team normally. But, you know, there's amazing, amazing players that might hit this 16 that may not have the ability because of payment. So we should mm -hmm. never, ever had that. So East Coast is, um, we're, we're funding, uh, uh, you know, all the trainings and stuff like that. Let's keep the cost down for these girls. Um, the exact cost, we don't know exactly. Tony would have all that sort of stuff and everything. But the goal at the moment is to get that to zero. And we have plans in place at the moment, whether it's tournaments or whether it's school titles and all that sort of stuff, that the money raised from those tournaments 
goes directly to these fed uh, to these national teams. And I think as long as the girls feel they're being supported, we're working for them, and yeah. they're being uh, yeah somehow being at least cutting half the the field yeah. that was going to be. I think they're going to appreciate that very much too. I think uh, the sponsors that we've already got on board will half the cost already. So you know, if we over the next six months can work even harder, that cost is down to zero. Right, there you go. Because one of the things that people always say about the AMF national team is they don't fund totally the the fee for the World Cup, yeah. so they they don't have the excuse anymore. Or at least there is a big yeah. portion of the fee that's being yeah, covered. Absolutely, uh, Mick. What's the goal of the team for the tournament? How far? Being realistic, how far do you guys want to go? Being realistic. Okay. Um... When I mention being realistic, because oh. there, there are countries like Argentina, Colombia, Brazil oh, wow. that are super strong in the AMF. You know, it, it, it's, it is a tough call. You know, we didn't get out of the group last year. So the, the first target that we have to do is get out of that group, get into quarters, get into semis and stuff like that. I believe, and I'm being serious, I believe we can hit top four. And any girl or any, any supporter that doesn't believe that, don't follow us. Because I strongly believe that we can walk out of that locker room, that change room, and hit top four. From there, it's um it it's a new game. It's game at a time and stuff like that. That's, I love the that's mentality, my target. Mick. I, I yeah. love it. I love it. That's it. That's yeah. how it should be. Yeah, yeah. Look, if the girls don't believe that I believe, well, they're not going to stand with us, you know. And for me, it's an honor, and I feel so proud just to stand next to those girls on that bench. That I'm going to beat every single coach that sits opposite me. I'm going to work so hard to be able to do that. I've got to do that part of my job. So, um. The study that we're putting in at the moment, the training program that we're putting in, you know, it, it's in Colombia. Um, you know, it, it's completely different. People that don't train, our East Coast girls are used to this. So when we go to Asia or to China and stuff like that, when you're playing at a different altitude and, and where we're probably playing in Colombia is like 2,500 metres above sea level. Mm-hmm. You can't, you, you don't turn up there. You can't breathe, you know, like that's like playing at Mount Kosciuszko up the top of our highest mountain here, and that's only 2,200 metres, and then saying, now play futsal. So we have to adapt our trainings. We have to do altitude training. We have to. There's a lot involved in, in putting this training, this training plan together. The best thing, like you said, mate, we've got six, seven months to do it at the moment. Well, that, that's the best thing. Well, uh, another best thing that I just saw was your mentality. I want to wanna just focus a bit more Thanks, on that mentality mate. of believing that you can win, I think. Uh, futsal teams and futsal nations just try to have to stop with their mentality that we're not good yeah. enough. Yeah, we are good enough to win other countries, and we just have to put the work in. Uh, Mick, yesterday I interviewed Nico Sarmiento, the goalkeeper coach for Argentina. It's yeah. gonna be the next futsal uh, okay. focus podcast. Yeah, uh, and he was saying that the, in a in a window of three months, they went from losing to Brazil 11 new to beating Brazil in the Copa America, and then the year after beating Brazil in the World Cup. Yeah, uh, in 2016, when they won the World Cup for the first time, but of course they changed the way they were defending. They started to press really hard. They started to be really aggressive. People being on people's faces the whole time and and be the annoying team that no one wants to play against. Uh, yeah. But the, he was saying that the best thing that Diego Giustosi, uh, just Giustosi, I think, changed with the national team was they believe that they can beat, they can win against anyone. And yeah. I think that you guys got, you guys have that now. Oh. We believe, you know, um, well, a big focus of mine, even from my under eights all the way through is we play with courage. Let's just play. 
let's have the courage to take that player on. Let's have the courage to stop that play. And um, I 100%, I, I don't want to sound like, you know, we're living in a fairyland or anything like that, but I believe that we can hit the final. You know, I 100% we believe that we can hit the final. And the study and, and, and the information that I, I'm doing now, you know, I'm studying all those teams. I study Brazil. I start, study Argentina. I'm, I'm watching them every single day. Uh, we have so many contacts, you know, like from the years of travel, sitting in Brazil and sitting in Spain or Argentina that I can talk to and, and get feedback of how they're going and what they're doing over there. So, yeah, we'll, we'll adjust our game. And I think, I think Australia will shock, a, will shock a lot of people. And all the, the women players, are amazing. Exactly. The women's players we have in Australia, they're just as good as or even better than most of the countries out there. Yeah. Yeah. Look, um, we we probably we're probably East Coast women up man, I'm so proud of our East Coast women, you know, and what they've achieved, but they're probably better and more respected internationally. You know, we've been to world championships with that team. We've been to China to China and played in Asian Cup and stuff like that. And they've been successful, you know, like um you know, I I strongly believe that we can we can be successful over there. Mick, uh, who are some of the women's players we're having in Australia that people should keep an eye on? If you could just, oh, I know you you could mention thirty, but if you could just keep it down to maybe because, five, ten. Yeah, look, well, that's let's a say five, one. so it's not close to your final final list. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's hard because yeah, you know, we've just been analyzing over ten hours of video work. Uh, from the weekend, you know, so we're, we've sat there and, and reanalyzed all that sort of work, um, you know, because we're finding it really hard to get down to 16 um, because the talent is so amazing. Um, you've got girls down uh, down your way in Victoria, um, Rebecca Davies, um, unbelievable, um, Jessu, Alison Pym, uh, Clarissa did an amazing job. Um, three different clubs down there, you know, Melbourne, Melbourne Evolution, Carlton Hart, uh, and Amazon. Um, but then up in Queensland, there were some girls there that really surprised me. Some girls out of River City um, play F League. They don't, you know, we don't. Oh, I saw them at um, Gold Coast International as well. So, ah, oh, mate, the talent, the talent pool is good here in Australia. We've just never used it correctly. So I think this is the first time that, as a united national team, we've drawn from so many different bodies and everything that um, this final sixteen. It's stressing me, man, because it's they're so good. They are so good. Yeah. You know, the pressure is always on the coach. Um, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, that's the, the reality is that whatever you do, people are going to always yeah. the responsibilities, the coach, like the responsibilities of Myers at the moment. But we're going to support Myers. We're going to support you guys, whatever you guys decided to go for. Uh, yeah, Mick, thank you, mate. Working, you take pride of working with women. What's the uh, women? What's the difference between working with women and work with men? Oh, look, it is very different. You know, like um, um, I, I mentality-wise and all the rest of it, the women are found um, um, take instruction very well, but also they enjoy the journey part of what we do. So every part of it, you know, the men. Sometimes my men's team, I think they go to training and they feel that that's a task, that's a chore, that's something they have to do to then achieve the next step, where the women enjoy the training part, that they arrive over an hour early so they can talk, yeah. so they can bond. So that the bonding within the women compared to the men, it is, has, it, it, there's a difference there. But the whole complete journey of it, um, 
the women will take that from day one, from the very first training session, all the way through until the flight home. It becomes one whole thing. And that's what's so enjoyable about it, you know. And some of the best moments come from the journey, you know, like what happened in the airport there, who got this, who got that, who 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 got sick, who it it for women, it's everything. For men, it's the game. Let's get to the game. You know, so um yeah, yeah there's a big difference that way. How you respond and how you talk to the girls. Um, for me, I've been able to adjust that a little bit. Um uh, not a great deal. Um, I think the girls that came up on the weekend, you know, the first thing I said is, girls, I apologize. I swear a lot. I'm going to scream a lot. I'm going to push you past what you think you can go to. Um, and, and my girls are used to that. Um, and that's sort of probably more of a male coaching mentality. But um, my every single girl responded, you know, and at the end of it, they were high-fiving and hugging um, just to get through some of these exercises. So it just brought a tear to all, all the coaches that were there. Mick, do you have any suggestions of how can, we can uh, help foot, uh, women's futsal to grow even further in Australia? Well, um, you know, if I'm going to be honest, respect it. You know, like, um, you know, respect that we have some of the best women here. You know, like um, um, my women's team, my East Coast women's team, I've pushed them so hard to be the best that they can And to be able to do that, we've gone and played against uh, men's men's teams, men's competitions. You know, we play into men's sort of pro leagues and stuff like that up north um, mm -hmm. to try and push them, you know. But that's what we need because we want to be competitive when I take that team internationally and stuff like that. So I think the first thing we've got to do is respect women, respect that women's game and, and that they're there. They're here in Australia because we've just proven it. You know, there's, there's 50-plus girls um, going for those 12 spots. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough one. Are you are you in pro of uh, having girls playing in men's leagues or in no, no? Let's not call it men's. Let's call it open leagues. Yeah, um, we have an open league here, and it's mainly so that our women can play into it. Um, it is a men's dominated league, and we use those as trainings so that our women can go in there and practice those things on an international size court in preparation and stuff like that. Um, like it's yeah that's a tough one mate it's it's hard because yeah men should be men's women should be women's i suppose but uh for us to be able to get the level when we want to go to italy and play against Serie clubs over there um we have to play for our club because we're so isolated from from sydney and everything else like that we have to play against um and be very selective on the leagues that we play into and get permission from those leagues as well. So for us, it's been an amazing part of our development, but I understand um, the other part of it as well. Yeah. Mick, uh, we could stay here hours and hours talking, but <laughs> look, we're going to have to play our game that we always play. It's called the rapid fire questions. You have 40 oh seconds God. to answer as many questions as you can. Just so you know, the top of the table, table is Damon Show. From the UK on 13 points. Of point. course it is. Damon Shaw is like a walking encyclopedia. I coached with Damon in the UK in about, I think it was 2016, 2017, and we were over there. Oh, uh, so you guys walking, know each other. Yeah, we know each other well. So um, he is a walking encyclopedia. I don't think anyone gets near Damon with, with the knowledge that I think he speaks 20 different languages as well. He can't ride a skateboard. So I, yeah, he I, can't. All right, no I, I beat I beat him around the UK and around Buckingham Palace and Trafalgar Square on the skateboard, but um, super knowledgeable. Damon Shaw, okay. But I want to get somewhere. Are, 
this sorry, yeah. this question is a personal answer, so it's got nothing to do with knowing about futsal. It's it's got to do with being quick on the spot. Okay. Ah, oh, okay, all right. Is it is it multiple choice? Can you help me out? Is there like no, 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 oh, no more choice. No, all I can say is that be as quick as you can. You can always, you, if you want, you can skip a question, but you lose a point, so it's not worth yeah. skipping a question. Uh, be as quick as you can. If you get past ten, it's a good effort. So just so you know, for example, on ninety points we have. Trevor Edwards, Rafael Fogagiri, Steve, Steve Harris, wow. Ryan Shepard, uh, lots okay. of, of people. Uh, Dean Locker, Anthony Grimmer, Rebecca Davis, Scott Gilligan, they all got you 10 points. Oh, yeah, I got to beat Beth. I just, I just screamed it back for the whole two days, so I got to beat her. Uh, Vinicius Leite got you 11. Elder, okay. Peter Park, was Jordan Guerrero got you 11. And on, on 12 points, we only had Arturo. So Arturo is the top. Arturo guys yep. on GS from Victoria's Day. Is the highest Australian ranking, and then okay. Damon show on thirty. I don't know how Damon got thirteen. I think Damon. he's just a freak. He's no one can catch him. He's he's a good lad, Damon. So yeah. All right, yeah. let's get that going. So when you're ready, I'll start the timer, and w- okay. once the the timer runs out, you can still finish that question. All right. All right. So three, two, one. Best women's football player in the world. Armagina. Your favorite football attacking system: three one or four zero. Three one. Name Three another months. great Australian futsal coach. Miles. Best place to live in Australia. Port Macquarie. One attribute that great futsal player must have. Intelligence. Would you rather play or coach? Coach. Your favorite way to spend time during flights? Sleeping. Yes or no, should players play futsal all year round? Yes. Your childhood hero? Falco. A, a, a futsal coach you look up to? Corey Smith, Dan Shucker. Favorite futsal club to watch in the world? Barca. Barca. So look, you got 11. That's a really, oh, you really good effort. You were slow. You were slow. Now, don't blame me. You t- your childhood hero, you took three seconds to answer. Come on, man. Do it again. Uh, I've okay. done the same to all the other guys. I can't. Yeah. So you can't blame me. It's the same Diamond for everyone. Shaw. Diamond Shaw. Look, right. you go 11, Damon go 13. You were one away from our tour to be the best Australian, but um, yeah, good effort. Thanks, mate. Uh, Mick, I want to thank you for coming uh, on the podcast. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I wish you all the best. Congratulations on everything you've been achieving. All the best for the Women's National Team World Cup. And I look forward to hearing about a successful story. Thank you so much, Doctor. Thanks for all the support. Thanks for everything you do for Futsal in Australia, mate. Now, all my pleasure. So hopefully together we can keep on helping food to grow even further. Uh, guys, thank you, thanks everyone for listening to your podcast. Next one will be very soon. Stay tuned and I'll see you guys soon.